right, hello everybody. <clears throat> good evening. Good evening and good week. Top of the week to you, though it's the end of the first day. So how was your weekend? I got plenty to report on. I'll probably just sprinkle that in throughout the next couple of days, though. Although we have a little bit of time for improv in the second half tonight, the first half is going to be very, very... Um, I'll, I, I've been waiting for this one again for a while now. I found our guest, Megan Fox. She's a journalist. She's an author. She's uh, I think she's from Chicago, but she's in New York right now. And she has been covering for nearly 20 years everything that has to do with CPS, horror stories, child so-called protective services, um, medical kidnapping, which we'll be discussing tonight, and a few other things. It all really ties together, the relationship between the state, that, that oily relationship between the state and the people, and especially trying to weasel their way into the way that every... American household lives, uh, how a child is raised. It's really something else. And, you know, we, we've brought this up in the past. I did a show with this audience, maybe it, it's probably less than a year ago that I brought up CPS horror stories. And probably around that time is when I found Megan, her work online. I said, oh, I got to get her on the show. Well, it took a few months for her to see me in the inbox, but once she did, we became fast friends because she had been watching the show for a few years. So, boy, that makes booking a lot easier. That makes, but we can we can jump over all the awkward stuff and just become friends at that point. So, um, so we got Megan on tonight, and all of her information is in the description of this episode, right there in the description. And just to let you know, we're gonna we're gonna fill up the first hour very nicely. But if we have some bonus to do together, I'm going to hold her over to the second half which is ex exclusively on the foxhole link in the description of the episode. And if that is too much, quitefrankly.tv, which is powered by Foxhole and has been for years now. So that's what we're doing for the second half because not only will there be um, a little bit of bonus with Megan if it calls for it, but there is also some really interesting developments on the Eastern Front in Ukraine as... Um, we are either getting ready for the big false flag to revive interest in that region and bring us to nuclear war, which seems ridiculous because I think we lose that one way or another, or all of the big liars are cashing out their chips. We're going to get into that, and we're also going to open up the lines and see what's been going on with you all. Me, I think the highlight of my uh, weekend, aside from just being around family, Aurora, she has a little cold again. Uh, it's funny, I thought I was getting sick too until I left and I came here, and now I'm starting to feel pretty good. I think it's like an E.T. Elliot kind of a thing, where I've just been around her and on the couch with her and and uh, making sure she's all right. And I'm convinced, oh, I'm, oh, I feel something weird. I feel something weird going on. But right now I feel great. So it's probably just, you know, some kind of telepathy kind of a thing or who knows anywho anywho welcome to the show it's quite frankly i saw that owen schroyer here's a little bit for the grab bag tonight i saw owen schroyer is getting released from prison early i think this friday so i feel very 
Very happy about that, reading that. Would love to have him on the show one day. Would love to meet him. Um, when I heard about his sentencing, which is ridiculous, this is all free speech sentencing, wasn't even in the, he wasn't, he didn't even go into the building at the Capitol, was there on the bullhorn telling people not to go in, but still, they need, um, they need boogeymen, so they gave him three months, and I think he was originally set to be released on Christmas Eve, so it must be a good behavior or something going on there, good for Owen, that's going to be one hell of a first show back on InfoWars, so I wonder how much he's going to go into it. Uh, we also have a uh, great couple other guests coming on this week. On Wednesday night is Ben Davidson, Space Weather News, Suspicious Observers. Uh, that's going to be... I hope you're in a good mood. I hope you can maintain your good mood because there's a lot there that's probably going to be pretty stark as far as the the forecast, the forecast for the Earth for the next 25 to 30 years that... Um, that Ben has been has been building up on his channel for a long time. I've got plenty of questions, a lot of questions. A lot of the questions I had have been uh, brought up recently by another guy that I really appreciate the, his work, Jimmy Corsetti from Bright Insight. Those two spent a couple hours together about a month or so ago. So I'll have some follow-ups based on that, but I just want... I want uh, you all to enjoy yourself on Wednesday night. I'm sure you will. Then on Thursday night, we're going interdimensional. Okay, so the first one is intergalactic, then we're going interdimensional. On Thursday, when Ashton Forbes comes on, and we start talking about this Malaysian Flight 370 mystery that has been revived. What the hell's going on there? I've got plenty of notes. I've been, I've been writing the notes down. And then on Friday, I don't know what we're doing Friday on the 8th on Owen Schroyer's release date. Matt will be in the studio, I'm pretty sure. But earlier that day, I will be recording an episode with Mel Kay going back on Mel's show. And then next week will be great, kicking it off with Stephen Jonathan. He's coming back to talk about St. Nick, the elves, Krampus, Timothy Alberino, uh, Fleckus Friday. And I'm working on a big, big Christmas guest roulette show that may have to be two nights. So all of that is in the works, and um, and there you there you go. All right, all right. Let's go into the grab bag, shall we? First one up is from Yahoo Finance, so you know it's good. Forget the triple demic. Forget the triple demic, ladies and gentlemen. Did you hear what I just said? I said triple demic. Okay, forget about that. The U.S. is headed for a syndemic, S-Y-N-demic, this winter. And experts warn we are not prepared. We are not prepared for what the experts have in, have in mind for us. COVID will likely reach levels in December not yet seen this year, combining with surges of flu, RSV, and other pathogens. They can't just call it colds anymore. It's Did you know that this, this winter the pathogens are going to surge? Doesn't that sound so much worse? <laughs> I can't. Oh my gosh. This was written by one Aaron Prater. Oh, Aaron. How do I how do I say this? Combining with surges of RSV blah, blah, from, from last year's triple demic. Did you know that we had a triple demic last year? I didn't know that. Raj Rajnaharyan, assistant dean of research and associate professor at the New York Institute of Technology campus in Jonesboro, Arkansas 
told Fortune that US, the U.S. is a sitting duck in the face of a syndemic winter. It's a term he prefers to triple-demic, so he says well, triple-demic is not... It's just like when they say that global warming and climate change isn't doing it any, cutting it anymore, and we've moved past that. Now it's global boiling, and we just all have to just sit here getting boiled, and there's no... Oh, but there's still a chance we can turn it all around. We're boiling to death now, but there's still a chance. It's a term he prefers to triple-demic, as it acknowledges the impact of more than three pathogens on the healthcare system and the need for policies to address the phenomenon in addition to medical interventions. You hear that? It's a new phenomenon. Strained hospital capacities, workforce exhaustion, burnout, a lack of effective therapeutic tools, poor communication, a lack of compliance with COVID precautions. Nobody wants to wear your mask, fine. You don't want to wear, you don't want to stand three yards away from the next person online at CVS while you buy cat litter? Fine, fine. You'll, you'll reap the whirlwind though. Oh, you're going to go to a diner? You're going to go to a diner and not wear your mask when you stand up, but, but take it off when you sit down? Hey, well, you're the idiot not following the science. So this is what they're, I don't know what it is, but these freaks... These overeducated, overpaid freaks always give them something to do. They have to feel important. It's not a triple demic anymore. That sounds too juvenile. Triple demic? It's a syndemic. It's a synthesis of demics. The demics are synthesizing before our very eyes. You see? It's very important. All right. Oh, and uh, Hillary Clinton. Hill bitch is out there doing her thing. Hill bitch. Hillary says extreme heat has killed half a million people, which is almost as much as she and her husband have killed over the years. There she is. She told COP28 conference that extreme heat has killed a half a billion people. Uh, oh, wait, half a million or half a billion? The headline says half a million, and this is half a billion. Most of them women and girls. Oh, much worse. Failed to cite actually any actual science. Well, that is the science, the feeling. The feeling of dread and fear. There you go. So thank God that Hillary is out there bringing the world more doom. More doom and gloom. It's exactly what we needed. And, um, and oh, oh, we're going to bring this up on, uh, on Wednesday night. This is from Study Finds. Earth's magnetic field could completely flip soon as a physicist explains what that means. Well, we are going to be able to do that with uh, with Ben Davidson a little bit on Wednesday night. Perhaps that is what will what we'll open up with. You know, it's um, when Ben comes on, I can say, hey, what the hell is this all about? Earth's magnetic field. Now, they're saying over here that the flip that is coming is just that the the energy, the magnetic poles are going to just positive will become negative negative will become positive and there's not actually going to be a flipping of the actual you know the crust isn't going to move which would be uh, I, I i guess disruptive but not as catastrophic as the as the flip and that's what ben's coming on to talk about so i'll save this a little bit but i'll tell you what um i bet you any money if you donate to hillary clinton's initiatives she and her friends 
they will they will find a way to stop the polls from reversing. In, re- in reality, what she's doing is they're taking all the hundreds of billions and trillions of dollars that they've stolen over the years by saying that it's going to a war zone or that it's going to turn down the thermometer, the thermostat on the planet, and they're just building themselves deep underground apartments. That's what it is. Because when the, the uh, polls actually do physically flip, that gets me sick. You and I are going to be in paddle boats up here and Hillary Clinton and uh, Nancy Pelosi are going to be eating gourmet ice cream somewhere a mile below the earth. Doesn't that make you upset? It should. Here's one last thing before we go to break. It's, it has a lot to do with what I'm going to talk about tonight with the great Megan Fox. Crisis in New York, headline from Fox News. We learned about this guy uh, not too long ago, but there's an update with him now. 94-year-old veteran struggles to move on after a nursing home evicts him and replaces him with migrants. The veteran and his daughter say the city is more worried about migrants than Americans. Well, that's been... Yes, well, this is a microcosm. For as big as New York City is, this is a microcosm because the macrocosm... His, uh, the macro is definitely the rest of the country. They don't care about anybody. So that's what we have here. Uh, Frank Tomorrow, 94 years old. Loved the senior center he'd call home for five years until he was told he needed to live somewhere else. I felt horrible, Tomorrow told Fox News. It's no joke getting thrown out of a house. Months later, after two moves and an injury that put him in the hospital, the senior was living with his daughter when he learned migrants were moving into his old residence free of charge. A lifelong New Yorker, Tomorrow said he grew up in the slums of the Lower East Side during the 30s and 40s. I do get upset when I see them handing out all this money and all these things and I'm paying taxes and getting kicked out. I never got anything from the city or the state. And, uh, there's a little something for you because we'll be talking about medical kidnapping tonight. We're going to be talking about just, just the way that we are managed. We are managed by the state. That's really, really what it is, especially when the state is involved in the management of, of so many people's lives from cradle to grave, then we really are just, we're just accounting figures at that point. And then when you have much bigger internationalist ideas of what they want to do with the country, get, in, get into, the, uh, into the mix, what the importation of millions upon millions of unaccounted, unaccounted for uh, migrants really mean to the, the future vision for the, the country and the world, oh man, then, then, then the cuts are really going to get made. And a 94-year-old, there's not a lot of leverage someone like that has with uh, these slave drivers. We will be right back. Megan Fox is going to be on the air, and uh, it'll be a great, great night, starting with a great first hour. So don't go anywhere. BRB. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! 
yes. I've got the late night jazz out, though it's not too late. And hopefully everybody at home is is brewing up some, quite frankly, coffee. Because it's going to be a wild one tonight. Talking about the state, of course. Talking about medicine and, uh, and, and much, much more. The welfare of children. And our guest, our guest, Megan Fox... She's been covering uh, CPS and family court corruption and medical kidnappings for what uh, I, what she says is nearly 20 years now. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of skin in the game right there, and she's been doing that not only uh, with PJ Media, which we cover a lot of stuff from PJ Media over the years, but other outlets. And she is on with us tonight. Megan, how are you? I am good. How are you, Frank? Oh, I'm I'm just. I'm just tickled pink. I'm so glad that we got together tonight, and I'm so glad we already have so much in the bank. I know, me too. I have to, you have to let me fangirl just for a minute because I love this show. You had the best COVID coverage in 2020 that I heard anywhere. You kept me sane, man, <laughs> all through 2020. I was like, what's Frank gonna say tonight? You know, so good. I think the I think the key to our COVID coverage was yeah when there was big news we got to the news we we needed to theorize and speculate we had to theorize and speculate because you know how much more how much truth do we ever really get but as most things it's what games are we going to play right now to keep ourselves sane can we can we can we do something to take our mind off of this stuff you know the numbers getting updated this and that and then of course the election but I'm so glad that uh, even though it took us a little while, we're sitting here tonight, and and uh, and thank you for being here. Me too. I'm so happy that I finally saw your message. <laughs> I hate that Twitter buries stuff in a black hole from people you, that don't follow each other, and then you can't see the messages, and it got lost, but now it's all behind us now. So this is great, right. and thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, absolutely. And you, know, you, you're, you are an author of two books. I'd love to talk about it at some point because I think it's all sure. very, very relevant. But uh, what is also very relevant, especially for New Yorkers, is the concept of medical kidnapping. And uh, in particular, you had one, this has really become almost like a true crime genre into it, like a subgenre in itself. And you would do a very, very good job covering this stuff. And I would love for you to start, all, uh, start us off with a, a very big, important um, case. And that is the case of Maya Kowalski. Um, tell us about the yeah. significance of this case. And I'm just gonna let you roll, don't cut any corners, Color it all in for us, please. Well, the Maya Kowalski case is really one of the most heinous cases of medical kidnappings that I've ever seen. And like you said, I've been covering this stuff for about 20 years. Um, and it, it started out where there was a documentary made, and that's how the American public became aware of it. On Netflix, it was called Take Care of Maya. And I actually didn't see it. I didn't see the documentary. But I heard that the trial was coming to... Uh, television. It was going to be broadcast. And somebody gave me like a quick rundown. I think it was one of my followers who reached out to me on Twitter, who was like, you got to look at this. This is right up your alley. It's the perfect case for you to cover. And I do cover live uh, court coverage sometimes. Like I covered the Johnny Depp case and I covered Gwyneth Paltrow, like things that people are interested in. But I never covered a case about medical kidnapping. And I kind of stopped talking about CPS corruption for a while because the audience just wasn't into it. 
people don't want to hear about CPS corruption and how bad it is. They don't want to hear about parents losing their children. They would rather believe that parents abuse their children than they would believe that the state can kidnap your child. I think it's too scary for people. Yeah, oh, it definitely is. Definitely is scary to consider. Right. And so nobody really wanted to hear me talk about that. Um, I used to have a weekly core corruption update or like weekly show. And I, I quit doing it because I thought it's not resonating with the audience. The, the only audience that wants to tune in are people who've been through this. And that's just not a way to reach out to to the masses. Right. So then this case comes up and this little girl, her story is that at nine years old, she was a perfectly healthy child. She gets a sprained ankle during gymnastics and she can't recover and the pain just keeps getting worse and worse and worse at night till till she's actually in a wheelchair cannot put any weight on her feet very little weight on her feet and her feet start turning in words called dystonia they get her muscles get really stiff and um her mother and father took her to, and her mother's name is Beata Kowalski. Her father's name is Jack. Jack was a, a fire chief for many years in Chicago. And then they moved to Florida and her mother, Beata, was a nurse, an infusion nurse. They take her to tons of doctors. Uh, at first, they think that she has steroid myopathy because she was on steroids for a long time for asthma. So they think it's steroid myopathy. They're not really sure. They keep, they're trying all these different things. They can't get her out of a wheelchair, but they put her in, uh, physical therapy they do an inpatient at tampa general so they check her in to tampa general and do an inpatient therapy where she's doing cognitive and physical therapy every single day for hours a day and none of it none of it helps none of it she can't get out of a wheelchair so they've done everything they've gone they go to all these different children's hospitals they go to rush in chicago i think they went to rush they went to uh lurie's children's hospital in chicago the tampa general um all children's johns hopkins all children's she had been there and they had put in an infusion port uh for her because her she ran she went to this new doctor who said let's try ketamine infusions mm. so they start doing the ketamine infusions and the small doses are not really helping her. So her doctor says, we can do larger doses, so let they just keep upping it and upping it. Well, they get to the point where the dosage is too high for them to do without it being a um, medically overseen coma. And there's a doctor in Mexico who does it, but they don't do it here in the United States, you know, because the right people haven't paid off the FDA or whatever it is you have to do to get that, you know, and to get it approved in the United States. So they go to Mexico. It's, it's like a last option. This poor child has had no relief from the pain at all, mm -hmm. ever. So they take her to Mexico and they meet this doctor who puts her into a ketamine coma for five days. So she's totally out, right? Mm -hmm. It's like a medical coma, totally out for five days. When she gets, a, when she awakes from the coma and they wake her up and she recovers from it, which takes a couple days to recover from being, you know, intubated and all that. She has the first pain relief that she's had uh, for like almost a year. And she was able, they took pictures. She was able to move her arms all the way above her head, which she had not been able to do. She was able to be touched with it. Now she has CRPS. They, they diagnosed her with uh, complex regional pain syndrome, which is very rare and it's very misunderstood. And it always looks like child abuse to doctors that don't know about it. And this pain, this disease is called the suicide disease. Like 
the pain is so bad. They say it's worse than childbirth. And it's when you're touched, even your skin is called allodynia becomes extremely um, sensitive. Good and Lord. so just a light touch, like even a sheet on your skin feels like, like stabbing knives. Jeez, all the things that could go wrong, man. It's to count your blessings. That that and it's so this in itself. This is something that this was triggered by the uh, the ankle in, injury. Like what, nothing yeah. before then. Yeah, CRPS is often triggered by an injury that then doesn't. It just the pain instead of so your brain signals get mixed up somehow, and instead of the pain lessening, your brain interprets the pain as getting more and more and more. It's like the opposite. And then it can take over. And in Maya's case, she was one of the very rare cases where she had whole body CRPS. It was everywhere. Mostly in her feet and legs was the worst. It also comes with um, uh, skin lesions. Mm. I see someone in the chat saying sounds like shingles. Yeah, imagine that. Kind, you know how shingles has blisters as well? Well, this has like skin lesions too, although it's not a virus. Although who knows? I, I mean, who knows? They don't know enough about it. All they know is that it is not curable, that it's like an autoimmune disorder that comes and goes. So you can have good days and you can have really bad days. Um, and the skin lesions are a sign of it flaring up. And so what happened to Maya is she goes to Mexico. She goes through this ketamine coma. She's getting better. She comes back to Florida. She's doing her physical therapy. And now she's able to do it because she has pain relief. And they're doing, they're still doing ketamine infusions, but it's a lot less. And they're doing it every, you know, they're not doing a coma anymore. She's just getting these infusions regularly to keep the pain at bay. The doctor described it as ketamine resetting the brain. Like it's supposed to reset the pain signals, mm -hmm. which is why the coma was important because it reboots um, your brain. I've heard this. Then, I've heard this from friends of mine, uh, Megan. People who are are not in any real physical uh, uh, bad shape, but they are uh, key, uh, really cued in on a lot of these um, these studies that are being done to help treat depression and everything else with ketamine. Whereas, you know, back in the day, you, you hear about, you know, Special K, you know, people doing bumps of ketamine and it's 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 uh, animal tranquilizer and all that stuff. And now um, people are saying that there is there's a lot of legitimate um, inquiry into what it can do on a, on a number of levels. Obviously, you're talking about something that is very, very physical and severe. And then I have had friends that re reported back on on emotional and other other types of um, applications, too. Yeah, so ketamine is interesting because the kind of ketamine we're talking about in Maya's case was completely physician supervised. She only ever got ketamine through a prescription and under physician supervision. Uh, contrary to what the defense tried to allege, her mother never gave her ketamine infusions at home. Now, Beata was an infusion nurse, but she was giving her infusions of other medicines that she was given permission to give her infusions for. I don't remember exactly what those were, but they weren't uh, ketamine. The ketamine she was giving her at home was oral ketamine. Um, so the defense tried to make a big deal about her giving, you know, these infusions through the port, but that wasn't happening. That okay. was all supervised by a doctor. And it's different than street ketamine, too. It's not the same thing. Like, there has been, what we found out during the trial is that there has been no deaths when it comes to physician-supervised ketamine treatments. None at all. So that was interesting to me. So the, the reason why that, so how she gets medically kidnapped is, is sad. Um, 
So she's doing really well. She's doing her physical therapy. She's getting stronger. She's actually like getting, putting weight on her feet, able to uh, get out of her wheelchair. And she's not walking yet, but she's doing strengthening exercises that is bringing back her, her muscles. And she's able to do things she couldn't do before. She also got back into um, extracurricular stuff at school and like going, you know, it was, it was a really good improvement for her and she was doing much better. Well, she had a flare up. She had a, what they call a, a relapse and she was having intense stomach pain. Her mother tried, you know, they called her doctor. They talked to the doctor who was giving her the ketamine treatments. And he said uh, he had given her what he could give her. He couldn't do anything else. So they needed to take her to the emergency room. And they take her to the emergency room at Johns Hopkins All Children's, J. Hatch. And while they're there, Beata, of course, is she's panicked. Her daughter is very ill. She's screaming and crying in pain. You can't touch her because she's in more pain if you touch her. And the nurse has kept wanting to put a blood pressure cuff on her or to do these, you know, invasive things where if they touched her and they weren't understanding what Beata was saying. Beata was trying to say, my daughter has CRPS. She can't be touched. You're not allowed to touch her. Here's what you need to do. You need to give her this amount of ketamine. Beata wasn't aware that they couldn't give that amount of ketamine. It's not approved in use for children anyway here. And so they thought she was just crazy. They'd never heard of this before. And so basically a misunderstanding and them not liking how Beata talked to them. And you have to understand she was Polish. First language is not English. And if you've ever known a Polish woman before, you know that they are fire, yes. right? Polish women are fire and they will tell you what they think and they will be short about it. It's, it's just the way they are. And of course you add stress to that and Beata was being sharp with them and telling them what not to do. And they did not like that. So the next thing you know, somebody in the hospital is calling the child abuse doctor, Dr. Sally Smith. And Sally Smith is called in to evaluate this case. Now, one of the major issues that Sally Smith created and allowed the Kowalskis to sue them was that when she came into the room, she did not introduce herself as a member of the DCF Child Protective Services team. She introduced herself as a doctor with the child protection team. Well, she's wearing a J Hatch badge and the parents thought she was just another doctor at J-Hatch. She starts asking questions and she's not there as a doctor. She's there as an investigator. Yeah. And Frank, do you do you have rights when investigators start start questioning you? Yep. Yes, you do. You can get a lawyer. Number 1. I mean, I mean this was uh, so now I I know that this is this is just just wrapped up here. We see how we see the, the situation, the kind of physical, the physical condition that Maya was in. Uh, you've done a really good job at setting the stage at the hospital, how we get to this point and how now there's an issue with the system has now taken interest in the family and Maya's case. So from there, how do we get to this, uh, this ruling? Because there's even more tragedy along the way. Uh, uh, Maya's mother doesn't make it out of this, no? I, mm -hmm. That's another thing I, I remember about this. Mm -mm. No, it, it, things get really bad from here on out. So Dr. Sally Smith calls, she does call uh, the treating physician during her investigation. She calls Dr. Kirkpatrick, who was the one who diagnosed Maya with CRPS. 
he tells her in no uncertain terms, this is not abuse. It is not Munchausen syndrome by proxy, which is what she wants to say Beata has, which is the, you know, she's making her child sick for attention. Which is which is incredible because when you get when you go outside of this situation and you examine uh, uh, contemporary American culture at large, uh, Munchausen by proxy is what is driving most social media and most uh, child quote unquote interventions, especially when it comes mm-hmm. to transitions and all that other stuff. It's just incredible how this comes out to play here. Yeah, and Munchausen syndrome by proxy is really a joke anyway it's very hollywoodized it it is not real they've taken it out of the dsm now they call it factitious disorder or medical child abuse because they know damn well the second they say munchausen everybody goes bullshit prove it there's no test for munchausen there's there are people who abuse children medically but the idea that munchausen is a psychological syndrome if that were the case then why don't you put them in a psych ward no you don't you put them in jail you know if 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 you really believed this was a mental disorder then you would offer these people help you wouldn't just put them in jail and charge them with child abuse would you Mm. i just think it's child abuse and i think that munchausen is a convenient way for cps to use a, a pseudo scientific sounding thing as a weapon against parents they don't like. And these nurses and these doctors hated Beata Kowalski. And they they let her know that. They treated her daughter roughly. She was, what happened after Sally Smith came in is Beata starts realizing, nobody here is helping my daughter. They're not controlling her pain. They refuse to give her any pain med- medication that is helping. They were giving her tramadol. They even put her on Haldol, Frank. Mm. Haldol, and, and a 10 year old. You can't give, that's a neurotoxin. It's not approved in use for juveniles. And they gave her Haldol a J-hatch, which they said it was to calm her down because she was swearing and all this stuff. They made her sound like the kid in The Exorcist. Um, it, was, it was nuts. So anyway, Beata says she wants to take her daughter out of there. She and Jack, they wanna take her out. They wanna, against medical advice, take her to a different her doctor dr hana said he would see her so and get her into like an inpatient program somewhere else where they knew about crps that's what her mother wanted to do was get her into a facility that had crps experts they were told with no court order and here's where the lawsuit comes in Hmm. they were told they were not allowed to leave the hospital or they would be arrested but there was no court order in place so it they actually the hospital lied and told them they couldn't take her out. So at that point, now they know, uh-oh, we're in trouble. So they start trying to cooperate with everything the hospital wants to do. So they say, okay, they back off their, they say, we don't want to take her out. We're not going to take her out. We'll listen to anything you have to say. That's fine. Then they say, we'll come to a family meeting and we'll talk about it. They get to the family meeting and the family meeting consists of two police officers and like 10 people at the hospital. And they're telling them, we're, we're taking custody of your daughter oh. and we're getting a court order. There was no, there was no, how can we work to get her better? Let's come up with a plan. None of that. It was, you're out, we're in, you are no longer allowed to see your daughter. So they go to the court hearing. And of course the judge, I have been exposing this on my channel on YouTube and on Rumble. Uh, I have the dependency court hearing transcripts. We've been reading through them as dramatic readings, me and some of my lawyer friends and other friends on YouTube. 
And it is sick, Frank, what happened to them in this dependency hearing. The very first shelter hearing, the judge knew what she was going to do. She knew she was taking her. And instead of just coming clean, she calls a sidebar, which is totally inappropriate because there's no one else in the room besides the parties to the case and the lawyers. So she doesn't need a sidebar. She can say it in front of the parents, but she doesn't want to because she's going to tell the lawyers, you know, I'm taking to custody of her. So here's how we're going to work this out. Here's all how all of this is going to go. And hearsay is allowed in family court, in juvenile court. That's how all of this happened. Sally Smith's report left out many exculpatory things. She never wrote in the report that Dr. Kirkpatrick told her that this is not child abuse. She never wrote in her report that the family had been getting Maya psychological care for years. She left. She totally left it out. And then she lied and said that she had a psychological disorder and that she wasn't getting any psychological care, that her mother, there was rumors that her mother had a a mental disorder. None of that was true. Um, And she accused Beata of having Munchausen. And this is a pediatrician. She's not qualified to diagnose Beata Kowalski, an adult with Munchausen, which is supposedly a psychological disorder. So it, it was all based on a lie all based on a lie to begin with. And that day when the judge ordered that Beata have no contact with her daughter, Beata fainted and hit her head on the table on the way down in the courtroom. They had to take her out on a stretcher. She was then diagnosed with a a, a syndrome associated with uh, intense grief um, that had been caused by the court. Mm -hmm. Any mental disorder that Beata had was caused by this system. You have to understand, too, that Beata was the child of Polish immigrants that survived communism. Her father was dragged away in the middle of the night by communists when she was like eight years old. And he spent time in a a prison and was eventually returned to the family. But she was traumatized, you know, at the tender age of eight by the by the boot of the state. And then here it is. Here it is happening to her in America, the place they ran, you know. Yeah. How sick is that? It's it's it, it, it's it's horrible to hear, and um and of course she she ends up taking her life. That's what yeah. I re- that's what I read. Yeah. Eventually, as they are winding their way through this process, and she realizes they are not going to give her her custody of this child, and she's the reason why Maya can't be with her father because her father's not accused of anything. But they were still putting him on supervised visitation and limiting his time and telling him to divorce her. And so she came to the conclusion that the only thing they could do is, that only thing she could do is take herself out of the equation. And then maybe the court would give her daughter back to her family. And sure enough, Frank, seven days after Beata committed suicide, they give her back and drop the case. The the rage... Uh, that I'm holding back right now is m- now going from there because let's just jump ahead to the the trial the trial's conclusion the family won something I mean the the, the money is incredible and I, yeah. I I just hope that they take they that they they bankrupt everybody associated with that hospital but um but the money is, is secondary to the kind of uh, everything. Anytime you see something like this, you think about precedent going forward. Tell us about the result of the trial and what you and other people are hoping this means for the future. Well, 
the the jury awarded them two hundred and sixty one million dollars, um, two hundred and eleven of which were compensatory, fifty million of which was uh, punitive, and punitive damages are awarded in order to incentivize the organization to never do something like this again. She, they were found liable for false imprisonment <clears throat> in the seven days they did not have a court order. They were not allowed to go beyond the seven days in the scope of the trial because they got chapter 39 immunity, which is a whole other thing that we should never have, which is immunity for state actors who violate your constitutional rights. That should not be a thing. It is so upsetting to me that it is a thing. But just for the seven days, they got false imprisonment battery because one of those social workers actually stripped her and took photographs of her under false pretenses while she screamed and they had to hold her down. Uh, this, oh, wow. I mean, false imprisonment battery. Um, what were the other things? Oh, they they found them liable for driving Beata to suicide. Uh, so wrongful death. Um, they found them liable for medical malpractice because, see, they they were billing for CRPS, but they didn't believe she had it. They kept saying that's why they took her away from her parents. They said she didn't have CRPS. They said she had a psychological disorder called conversion disorder, but they billed the insurance company for CRPS. So they got them on billing fraud, too. They also got the medical malpractice comes in because they actually in the J-Hatch records, from the time she had visited before, they had her diagnosis as CRPS. Then she gets there for the stomach thing and suddenly they're erasing CRPS and now it's it's a conversion disorder, but they didn't offer her or give her any of the therapy that you normally give someone with conversion disorder. They were supposed to give her physical therapy and cognitive therapy every day and psychological therapy. She got, for three months she was in the hospital, she got three hours of psychological therapy and she got a few more hours of physical therapy and cognitive, but certainly not daily. And they had people up on the stand testifying that, well, I went there to give her her therapy, but she wasn't in the room. You didn't make an appointment? You just turn around and left then? You've got a kid that you say has this thing, but you're not treating her for it and you're billing the insurance for the other thing that her parents said she had. It's it's so Megan, it is I've spent a little bit more time than I wanted to in hospitals the last couple of years and I'll tell you just from what I have seen and what I've had to do to to stand in for people and and advocate it is it's probably untold how bad it is. Now, what you're talking about is a what should be considered because of the size of the payout, the 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 log of all the abuses. This is a pretty landmark situation here, a case that uh, I think yes. will be studied for a long time. But when you think about how the the, the little the little um, uh, infractions, the little things that are going on, the fraud, the and then of course uh, the the bigger situation here that you are have uh, outlined from the beginning is when doctors and nurses when medical staff feel in some way that their authority has been checked or if they have been in some way uh insulted by someone who Mm -hmm. thinks that they they have the the ability to tell them what to do even if it's clear that you are dealing with an emotional parent who is freaking out they're going to say things that in their right mind, they're never going to say ever before. There is just there's something about the um, the pompous and 
God playing God mentality that is really it's only gotten worse over the years. And it's it's well, especially since COVID. I, I mean, they gave those doctors the right to behave like like uh, like kings over us. Yes. And they they haven't given that up yet, Frank. They're they're not going to give that up. Clearly, we have to take it from them, and this is one of the ways that we can take it from them is these lawsuits have to go forward. You said landmark a medical malpractice case like this has never been this successful. This is the most successful medical malpractice suit ever in this country. And it's it's what opened the door and opened the eyes of my audience. And now they can't get enough and they want to know more about medical kidnapping. They can't believe that it's happen, happening like this. And I've got story after story after story. The problem now is the defense is fighting tooth and nail. Jay Hatch isn't going to pay them, Frank. They're refusing to pay. What? They would rather pay the 12% interest every day. That's $250,000 a day that accrues that when they don't while they don't pay. And spend money to have their attorneys file frivolous motions, which is what they've been doing since the verdict, attacking jur the jury, attacking the uh, the foreman's wife, attacking every asking for a new trial, asking the judge to overturn the jury's verdict. They're going to appeal for years. They're I gonna, heard Megan, I heard nasty. I heard that you made you uh, you were actually a part of the trial that that John's I, I heard that yes. Johns Hopkins wanted a mistrial declared because a wife of one of the jurors follows you on Twitter. Yeah, 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 that's one of their reasons, Frank. The jury number one's wife follows me on Twitter. They put a screenshot of my Twitter page in their motion. It's, it's insane. Wow. Wow. It's insane. And they also blamed uh, LawTube. So the lawyers on LawTube who uh, this juror's wife also followed uh, were like um, uh, Lawn Lumber and... Uh, I want to say, who was the other one? A recovery addict. He's not a lawyer, but he was covering the case. He's a great, that's a great channel, by the way. Uh, also, um, uh, like uncivil law and like all these other lawyers who were following the case, they blamed <laughs> our coverage as being, I don't know, I don't even know what, because we're allowed to cover a trial and, and she's allowed to watch our coverage. What she's not allowed to do is talk to her husband about it. He's not allowed to talk to her about it. But it makes sense that she went online to talk about it because she couldn't talk to her husband. Mm -hmm. And by the way, her husband's a former law enforcement officer. You think they're not used to her not being able to talk to him about cases he works on? Of absolutely, course. absolutely, absolutely. It, it's a garbage motion. It's going to be heard on December 15th. So that's coming up next. I'll be covering that if there's cameras in the courtroom for sure. I'll be covering that tr that hearing. It is an outrageous offense against also the jury system, Frank. Yeah. They are asking the judge to grant them total access to the juror's email, phone, and his wife's phone so they can investigate him and they can, uh, you know, dig through his life and look for anything to impugn him with. If this is a, if this is allowed, who in their right mind would ever willingly serve on a jury after this? I know. I wouldn't. I would tell the court, I'm scared to serve on a jury because the J. Hatch defense, what they did to juror number one, yeah, I'm not signing up for that. I'm scared to be on this jury. Forget it. I don't need my I don't need my wife or husband stalked online, have all their social media posts put into motions. Uh, they dox them for a solid week before they realized that the public was outraged by it. And then they re-uploaded their motion with redactions. Oh, well, it's too late. You gave their address to the entire world.
Tooth and nail they fight. Tooth and nail yeah. they fight. And, and yeah, you know, it's one of those things where these, um, uh, you said it, uh, especially since COVID, there has been increased anxiety. Anytime you feel a, a flutter in your chest, you're like, please don't let this be the heart attack. Please, you know, I don't, don't right. let this be the, don't let this be the reason why I have to go back to the hospital for the first time in God knows how many years, because I, I, I know, I know that there are good people in there. And when you, when you meet a good nurse and when the, when, you know, someone you love is being cared by somebody who actually has dignity, um, it, you, you feel like you've been blessed by God himself because other than that, there is just so much, so much that has ruined the confidence that we all may have had at one point that if if we are in a jam or if something bad happened, we can walk into an American hospital and the best teams in the world were going to be there waiting for you. And oh, and it's it's just it's not, it, it's not true. It, it's, it's just not true. And it's scary. Frank, the chat is reminding me that I have to tell you about Dumpster Jesus. What? Okay. This is one of the most egregious things that Jay Hatch did. So after they took custody of Maya and they isolated her from her family, she had a few things from home. She had her mother had her her priest come and visit her and bring her a consecrated host for communion. She had holy water. They're Catholic. Mm -hmm. She had holy water. She had a rosary. She had a prayer book. She had um, some religious items. Johns Hopkins. <laughs> and DCF conspired together to take her consecrated host, which they claimed could be infused with ketamine, and they threw it in the trash. You've... Wow. They threw Christ in the dumpster. You talk about having a God complex. They actually took the body of Christ, and they threw it in a dumpster. And I always explain to people, because if you're not Catholic, you don't understand necessarily, but... The consecrated host, which is the wafer that the priest blesses, before he blesses it, it's just a piece of bread. But after he blesses it, the Catholics believe that it is the body of Christ. It's transubstantiation. So there are many, many rules. You cannot drop it on the floor. You cannot use it for any other purpose. You have to dispose of it in a certain way. Even the crumbs get, you know, brushed into the wine and the priest consumes it because you can't, you can't throw Christ on the floor. And these people, instead of returning Ketamine. it to their chaplain, they had a Catholic chaplain at the hospital. Ketamine. They could have, they could have brought it to the chaplain. They threw it in a dumpster. They desecrated the host, and there was a Catholic on the jury, and we found that out during the jury questioning because they wanted to know about all the Catholic stuff, and it was like, oh shit, you've got a Catholic on your jury, you're screwed now, uh, because that's one of the most egregious things I've ever heard and and not to mention that beata was a very serious catholic no serious catholic would ever desecrate the host by putting ketamine on it or any other right, thing right right I, I, and and that's really what it comes down to it is and i i said it the the other night i forgot what the hell it was about when you're dealing with a certain group or a group mentality or a type of person uh it really this this particular story this part of the story is really just about Oh, is this something that they enjoy? Let's destroy it, because that yeah. is it, it is the re most ridiculous thing in the world to think that a uh, a parent would lace the host, they would lace the Eucharist with ketamine to be able to stay. What? And they never even tested it, Frank. 
So they were asked on the stand, DCF was asked on the stand, did you test it? Did you test these items? They also took chocolate cake away from her and the holy water, saying that the cake must be infused with ketamine too, that, they, that Beata was somehow sneaking it into the hospital. So they took her cake and Jesus and threw him in the dumpster. And no one ever tested it to find out if their little theory here was true. Yeah, no. What they were really doing was trying to break the bond between her and her parents, between her and her religion, between anything she loved, so that they could adopt her out eventually because they get money for doing it. And this is a disgusting abuse of power. And the fact that Jay Hatch is fighting this after all the evidence that came out, and I mean, there's some of this evidence they don't even deny. They don't even deny it. I mean, and they still think they don't have to pay. Uh, and there's another lawsuit coming, Frank. The Kushner family, same doctor, same hospital, same shit. False allegations of abuse, false allegations uh, of child abuse, sexual abuse, and everything ruined a family. Complete, and it was all hogwash and garbage. Let me ask you because, this. Yeah, go ahead. CPS in general. Uh, when you when you're talking about these gigantic cases, and these are gigantic cases, uh, and of course you can find hot spots. Okay, well now we're starting to see a pattern. This hospital is is obviously um, using the power of the state to really break the will of people and to just I mean it's it's gangsterism. But when you uh, examine the country, and you examine you talk to people who have been involved in this, how how much good does CPS do? Because you know, there's somebody out there that's definitely gotten saved from by uh, you know from a uh, a, sure. a a household that was horrendous, and sure. I'm sure that there are plenty of people who are are grateful that CPS was there to to pull them out of a situation where they didn't have any power for the, of their own. They were too young, but. Uh, outside of that, you know, um, it's almost like with, hey, you know, are there any success stories with Obamacare? Oh, sure. If you rob, <laughs> if you rob Peter to pay Paul, I'm sure that Paul is going to say that it's great. But when you go the 30,000 foot view and you start seeing what this does and the uh, the political inject the injection of politics into this, how you are now enforcing the mandate of the state, especially when it comes to homeschooling, when it comes to avoiding recommended vaccine schedules. I know that CPS has become a cudgel to deter good parents from from things like that. When you cover that, like, how would you say the general state of affairs is with child protective services across well, the board? I I can just tell you what health and human services own statistics say. I think we, you know, health and human services oversees all of child protective services across the country and their own statistics as, as, as late as 2019 said that 84% of all investigative cases are unfounded, <sighs> unfounded, which means that less than 20% and it's much less actually because there are some other categories in there that I can't remember right off the top of my head, but less than 20% are actually abuse. If you, in an in your office job or whatever, only got it right 20 or less than 20% of the time, you'd be fired. Um, it's only government agencies that can have a less than 20% success rate and they get to continue on and they don't get gutted and they don't get audited and they don't get, you know, nobody goes to jail. In Missouri, I, I did a 29 part series in Missouri. 
their DCF office lost a thousand kids. They lost a thousand children, some of whom were rescued by U.S. Marshals in sex trafficking. And no one was fired. The boss got demoted to the second chair and they replaced her with somebody else, but she's still there. These are the children. These are children who lost that, a thousand kids. These are children that ha were in. They were in custody. They were taken from their parents and then lost. Put into the system and then lost. Just in Missouri alone, a thousand children, Frank. Uh, and some of them yes. have never been recovered. And the person in charge didn't report it to anyone. So. You look, I'm at the point where I believe that foster care and our child protective services does more harm than good. I actually think that it is it would children would be better off if we didn't even have such a thing. Uh, if maybe we had more reliance on our community and our churches and, you know, those of us who live in a neighborhood who can get together and try and help people in these situations, because my God. Most of the things that CPS investigates people for are, are really poverty issues. They're not abuse. They're what they call neglect. And that could be anything from dirty dishes in the sink to having a roach problem to a hoarding problem to, um, you know, not having enough food. You should never take a child from parents because they don't have enough food. We have enough services in this country to get some people some food. We have enough money. There's no reason to take a child from a parent that has an empty cupboard. That's just, that's outrageous. But that's what they do. That's, they do this. Mm. Um, I, I have, you talked about homeschooling. Michaela Haynes in Missouri, a little girl who ended up killing herself because DCF and, well, it was the, her guardian ad litem, who was a court-appointed guardian ad litem, continued to recommend to the court that she be housed with her father, who was a convicted child rapist. He went to jail for seven years for raping her stepsister, and her guardian litem continued to tell the court that she was better off with him than her homeschooling mother. And she told the court that, that they were educationally neglected with their mother, who homeschooled them. Wow. When they put them in public school, her and her sisters, they were all outperforming every kid in their class. So they were both of them on the honor roll. It was always a farce. Not, they, it was always a lie. And that they would rather put her with her rapist father than with her mother who was a homeschooler. And she ended up killing herself. She hung herself on their family property because she learned that her guardian ad litem was gonna testify on her father's behalf. And it is a sick case, and I have never been able to get anybody in Missouri, not a Republican or a Democrat, and I've talked to all of them. I've gone to the representative's office in person. I took families with me. And nobody there in the Missouri government will sign on to Michaela's law, which is about removing immunity from these court-appointed actors who did this to her and are doing it to children all over Missouri. Nobody, Frank, will do anything about this. I have senators... I've talked to, you know what one of them said to me? Oh, this was so frustrating. So I'm telling him all of this stuff about this judge that I found in Missouri who was communicating illegally, ex parte, with one of the guardians ad litem and promising her that he was going to help her in the lawsuit that was brought against her by one of these families, which is totally outrageous. It was in his court. He can't do that. I exposed the email. I He resigns. 
Um, and I go to the uh, courthouse or to the, not the courthouse, I go to the legislature and I sit down with these senators and I tell them all about what's going on and I hand them the stack of papers showing that this judge is up to his ears in bad stuff. He's refinancing his $600,000 home every six months. There's something wrong here. Like this, this guy is not right. He's communicating ex parte. Um, you know what they told me? One guy looks at me and he goes, well, I think we can impeach a judge, but we've never done it. I wanted to come across that table and choke him. I mean, you that's your power as a representative of the people. You, as a congressperson, as a House of Representatives, you can impeach a judge and should impeach a judge just to even just send a message that, hey, you better watch out. If you're treating our citizens like this, we're going to get rid of you. But they wouldn't do a damn thing. They wouldn't lift a finger to help these families, and they still haven't to this day. And that was in 2021, I want to say. And this sounds a lot like the 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 the, the, the horrific. I, I know a little bit about reun reunification camps, mm -hmm. but I know that you know a lot more. And you know, I want to talk about. Um, I'm going to talk about that on the other side of the break. I'm going to hold. You, you, would you stay on with me for another segment? Of course I will. Okay. This is great. I, I feel like this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. I really do. Me and, too. And <laughs> so when we come back, I want I want you to talk about not only these reunification camps, but I also want to talk about um, the what we see going on in other countries, like the UK. I believe like every year there is a high-profile case of parents having their sick infants sent, essentially sentenced to death by the state, even rejecting their attempts to seek free care in other countries i i there's that and then i also want to talk about our you know our uh our home state over here of new york and that section 2.13 yes. thing yeah so we were talking about we have to get to that we're gonna laugh medical honestly. kidnapping all right yeah <laughs> all right we're gonna be right back with megan fox in the meantime ladies and gentlemen i am going to invite you all over to there's a two links in the description of the episode uh and also i tweeted them all out and truth and gabbed and gettered and all that stuff uh there's the foxhole link that'll bring you right to the show page that we're already live everything's going well uh and then there's also another link that you can click which is just as easy if uh everything else uh just shits the bed for you for some reason that is quite frankly tv it's all powered by foxhole get on over there and uh, it's just two clicks away to watch the second half of the show. Um, afterwards, I, as always, tonight when I get home, uh, the full episode will be uploaded and archived on Rumble, on BitChute, on Rockfin. We're going to be doing, starting tonight, we have a, a, a brand new operation that we're kicking into place with uh, clipping and highlighting. So there's going to be wonderful uh, guest highlights that are going to be flooding the internet soon. And we're also going to take the full um, the the full uh, uninterrupted interview with Megan Fox and upload that as its own uh, video. So all these things are going to start being done afterwards. You're going to get inundated with smaller, bite-sized clips of Quite Frankly, and um, and we're rolling the dice big for for 2024. When we come back, hopefully you'll be there. Goodbye. It's it's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. 
entering. Quite frankly. 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 We all support quite frankly. Not quite. Quite frankly. Let's go, Brandon. Quite frankly. In Roma, Italia. Quite frankly. You going on Frank's show tonight? I want to get a Coke. Can I get a Coke? So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? Okay. All right, everybody. We are back on the other side of our intermission. We're still joined by Megan Fox. She's pulling overtime with me now. This is great. Uh, although I gotta say, the the subject matter is is stomach churning, and um, I, you know, when you talk about here, here's the whole thing is okay. Well, we've got all the information we need, Megan. We've we've got these uh, these cases all lined out. We know the who, the what, the where, the why, the when. Something needs to be done. Uh, we have the statistics from Health and Human Services. The, uh, the CPS is just as bad as you know. Almost as bad as the the human traffickers at the border. So what the hell are we doing here? And then you go to talk to uh, a uh, a supposed man of the law, a legislator, and they're giving you the eh, as if children are not involved. I mean, this is not this is not like a a lottery scam you might have uncovered. You know, this is this is this is horrendous. This is a horror. If anybody with will. Could, uh, could apply it to this right now, they could step in on an on an everyday, a slowly unfolding horror story. That's that's the most frustrating and sickening part about all of this. One of the uh, women that I dealt with in Missouri, if you want to know how bad this really is, her son was murdered by her ex-husband when she had told the judge that that would happen. You know, she had begged him not to send him to unsupervised visits with her husband because she said he was violent and crazy and then her son disappeared and they couldn't find him for 18 years and she knew he was dead and the nothing happened to her ex-husband until he did it to two other children he molested two children somebody else's children and got caught then suddenly he was under investigation for the disappearance of his own son well she was remarried to a congressman in or representative in Missouri, married to one, and not even he could get anything done. Inside, he couldn't get anybody to sign on to court reform, to family court reform. So it's her name was Theta Persons, by the way, and I wrote an article about her on PJMedia.com and about her son Christian, um, who finally got justice after 18 years of being missing. Um, and he was mentally disabled and physically disabled. And it was just a horrific story of people in charge ignoring yeah. the parents who are saying, my kid's in danger. I know so many of these people in Missouri. It's, I don't know what to do, Frank. I, I don't know what there is to do, but I will say that the Kowalski case has given me a lot more hope that people are really waking up to what the reality of the system is. I feel like before now, when I would try and tell people about the corruption, 
they would say, that's crazy. These people are crazy. They're just, they're just nuts. And you've fallen for a line. And now after so many people have seen this case and the evidence presented, they're like, wait, you've been saying this for years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have. Yeah. I have. And the coordinate, especially with the Kowalski case, the coordination, the coordination, how the, the entire bureaucracy over there at that, I mean, there is, that is a, a lot of people have to coordinate a lot of things had to be signed. A lot of things had to be looked away. I mean, they had to do a lot of tiny, conscious decisions to make that whole nightmare come to pass for that family. So, um, to, to, you know, you'd think that somewhere along the line there'd be some resistance from inside. of the, Was there any stories of that? Was there anybody no, inside? So that's the weird part, and that's another reason why they really got nailed by the jury because it came out during the trial that they were actually in jeopardy of losing their license. It was called immediate jeopardy. So a state investigator comes unannounced and walks through the hospital and found oxygen tanks that were stored improperly, yep. uh, that were in danger of blowing up. They found surgeons were not washing their hands that was leading to the deaths of children in the heart center. Children died because surgeons weren't washing their hands at J Hatch in Florida. You would think we're talking about a third world country and this is happening in Florida. They had they the report said that they had a an internal culture of retaliation and fear. And that was reported two years after uh Maya was in that hospital, but the report went back three years. So it was during the time she was in the hospital, which is why it came into the case. And when the jury heard that, it was over, Frank. Mm. It was over. That was it. It was the nuclear bomb that just added all the zeros to the check. Because here they were. So here the plaintiff is saying, I was treated this way. They were horrific to me. No one did anything about it. The risk management was totally you know, in on it. No one reviewed the case, even though they knew that the patient was upset and the parents were upset. No one from the administration reviewed it. It never got to the highest levels, which was another thing. Dr. Joe Corcoran, who was one of the star witnesses for the plaintiff, he, he runs a hospital system or he did run a hospital system in Nevada. And he said, I've never seen a reporting system like this. It's all wrong. It's all wrong. Like it, it, there's nowhere for it to go. People are not reporting what they're supposed to be reporting. Risk management should have been on top of this. And there really was no risk management system in place. And that caused these things to fall through the cracks. All of the things that they got cited for, for the immediate jeopardy shutdown, hmm. they were going to lose their federal funding to Medicaid. You see, there's not, I was, I was I, you know, before the break, we, I said, we we're going to preview the little bit of the very, unfortunately uncommon story that we see coming out of places like the UK or Australia where parents have a very critically ill child that has very little options left in their home country and another country says hey we have an experimental program or we have funding we'll give you this treatment for free we can save their lives and even in the face of that opportunity um, where we here we are free Western democratic nations, whatever, uh, more and more we are seeing put on full display with, with impunity. Uh, the state is essentially becoming very, very comfortable with condemning small children, infants to death. 
where you can't go to this country and take them up on their offer as if you are a ward. You and your entire family are wards of the state. And that's just that's just it. And now, you know, I'm trying to I was trying to bring this up in a way to compare where some parts of the world, especially the West, is a little bit farther down the rabbit hole than we are farther down the drain, I should say. But as you continue to describe the conditions just there in this one Florida hospital, I'm like, how, how much worse are they really? I mean, it's this this is just as horrific. It is just as horrific. It really is. And there was a case recently that people were bringing my attention to. It was there was a lot of stuff on Twitter about this baby in the UK um, who was offered help in Italy, uh, but the UK government denied their parents and actually said, "No, you know, we're basically sentencing this baby to death." Um, and it it just it's sickening that this can happen, and it, it does seem to happen with regularity in Western countries. And you think, how can this be? Uh, how can what what skin is it off the backs of the UK government to let a family take their child to Italy to try something else? Why are they so reticent to let parents make decisions about ill children? Why do they have to be the ones that know everything? I will never understand this, Frank. Never. No, no, there's nothing to be understood there. Um, and uh, and again, I can understand how somebody in your position, who has had this this um, this picture, well developed for yourself for many years, and trying to get the message out, and just realizing it's falling on deaf ears, or it's a, just a little bit too daunting, and then to to make matters worse, there seems to be nobody on the inside who is supposed to be an overseer of this, to be, you know, somebody who's supposed to go and have our best interest in mind and reform a system whenever it starts turning sour on us. Uh, I can understand just how daunting your work, your job has been, but there is, as you said, great news about that the result of the um, the Kowalski case, but you know the 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 ever quickening uh, decentralization of media is also very encouraging as well. Uh, you were talking about, and I've seen some of the because when I I started paying attention to you, I've seen some of your streams that you do um, with. Um, you know, court television type of stuff where you're actually reviewing court cases. And I've seen how those streams in particular have gotten very, very, very popular. There are things that the internet has picked up the slack on that is bringing so much more public uh, awareness to things like this, to issues like this. Well, well, Frank, here's a perfect example of the media being so complicit in the narrative. Mm -hmm. Court TV, you mentioned Court TV. So I've been covering trials for a while now that it's become a, a form of entertainment people really like to watch a trial from beginning to end with somebody commenting on it. And we watch the whole thing. We don't just watch clips, we watch it all. I'll sit there for eight hours a day during a trial and we will watch the trial. And and it's, so what happened on Court TV with the Maya Kowalski trial, on the very day that the immediate Jeopardy report bombshell hit, and it was huge news. It was like, this is gonna, this is gonna destroy the defense's case. I mean, it's over. They had to reopen evidence. There were the judge was angry. He said, Why did you keep this from me? I mean, it was a big deal. The same day, Court TV comes out with an article that goes viral 
Maya Kowalski caught partying over the weekend when she said she was too sick to be at court. Oh, my gosh. And they published salacious photos of her wearing one of those short homecoming dresses. You know, the ones that all the kids wear now that the dresses go right under the butt, which I would never let my kid wear. But you know what? Maybe if Jay Hatch didn't kill her mother, her mother wouldn't have let her wear it either. But they (sighs) did. And she doesn't have a Catholic mother to tell her not to wear that. And also, she has pain in her legs. So anything touching her legs hurts. So maybe she has to wear a short dress. Who cares? It's a short dress. She's a teenager. And Court TV is making a big deal out of a teenager wearing, oh, she must not be sick. Frank, oh, yeah. God because, forbid. God forbid she mustered the strength to get on with her knife, her life for one night. Yeah. For one for night. For one night. Yeah. God forbid, because she hadn't been in court. Well, what? where do you think that a teenager would like to, who is chronically ill, who is facing her abusers for the first time after they traumatized her, where do you think she'd rather be? In court, facing the trauma again, or with her friends at a Halloween party mm. or at homecoming? You know? God dang. And they never reported the IJ. So the whole point about like us on YouTube doing these covering court trials, we're letting the people see the whole thing and make up their minds about what they think. It's not about what I think. It's about what the chat thinks. The chat and I are kind of synonymous. It's like the chat and I are seeing the same things and we're all coming to the same conclusion because we've been allowed to see the entire process, which is why cameras in the courtroom are so, so important because before that, We had reporters going into the courtroom for maybe two hours a day, writing their narrative piece of, you know, garbage. And that's what everybody believed. It's why the entire media conglomerate was on Amber Heard's side and they didn't see the wave coming. They didn't see people who were watching every minute of that trial realizing, oh, my God, she's an abuser. The media thought they were just going to pull one over on us and tell us what they wanted us to think. And that's over now. It's over. I love that. I love that aspect of it. I really do. I love that aspect of it. And that's why it can be very, very frustrating no matter what we're talking about, whether it is a a new war that pops up or one thing or another. The, The fact that we are going to have so many more fresh opportunities to talk about it for me to get on the air and not know, not even have an an opinion myself and just open up the lines and see what comes through, I, I love that idea. I love that that mm-hmm. uh, that opportunity. And, um, and the fact that it's being even done play-by-play play with a, a trial, I mean, man, uh, for some people that would be considered more boring than watching grass grow. At a, at, at, <laughs> but but it, I have seen how enthralling it becomes. Because it, this case had so much drama. Oh yeah. That day when the IJ report bomb dropped, it was like it was like better than any movie you ever watched. It was it we were di- we were screaming. I mean it was it was incredible. This whole thing was incredible. It was it's watching there's nothing better than real life drama. It's real. You know, you don't need to go to a movie to the movies for this and it had such a great arc to it and the plaintiffs attorneys and when they started out we were like, "Oh no." Oh no, this guy is not great. He's not smooth. He's not this. He's not that. And then it turned out he's one of the best lawyers I've ever seen. There were so many of these things that happened during this trial. Uh, court watching is really, it's a wonderful thing to get into. And it's also really important for the American public to understand how our justice system works 
and when it doesn't work and why. Um, because there are things we need to change. By the way, I sent you the article on Twitter about the baby in the UK. Okay. Uh, this just happened. This was in November 9th. Uh, a judge at Britain's High Court ruled that life support for a terminally ill eight-month-old baby should be withdrawn in a hospice or hospital, despite efforts by the infant's parents and the Italian government to transport her to Italy for further treatment. Why? I know. The question is why? I, I know, and, and it's not the first time, Megan. I have no. it up on the screen with us right now. Uh, it, th that's the question. Why? And and if this was the first time that we all had to watch, it was it was uh, it was worse than the Titan, you know. Where everybody told everybody, oh, listen, there's only twelve hours of oxygen left in the Titan going down to the right. Titanic, you know. It, it's far worse than that. At least those are a bunch of rich guys that are jumping into a submersible, and okay, okay there was an accident. But when we're the whole world is counting down every year, it seems until another innocent little baby uh, is forced to take its last breath because their home government does not allow their parents to take them outside the country to try a few things it's like where are where what is this now speaking of uh the the uh, the courts and something even more closer to home because it's our home state i want to talk about um the app the the last few weeks we've been hearing about the appellate court over here in uh in uh, in new york pretty much allowing the possibility for this Rule two point one three, um, to it's it's essentially an ability for the executive in the state, or and I, I guess some of their uh, some of their their cabinet members or whatever to declare a medical emergency and probably unelected health officials. Which oh is yeah, really scary. Yeah, un unelected health. They're all appointed by the the governor. I'm pretty sure, and they have the ability to arbitrarily declare medical emergencies especially when it comes to communicable diseases and from there quarantine can be uh, imposed and people can be removed from homes uh, there, there's a lot there it's very very sweeping stuff and it's been getting around a little bit now you this is you want to talk about the media you sent this to me I thought it was so incredible now this was back in this was published back in September but it's still it is so, uh, it's so pertinent. Listen to it this. Give me LOL. Oh, absolutely. So, so Megan sent this to me, everybody, just before the show uh, started. I said, oh my gosh, this is good. We're doing this tonight. Here's the headline from September. <laughs> new, new, this is from the Associated Press. New York Governor Kathy Hochul is not trying to create quote unquote quarantine camps. Now, <laughs> Let's do us. Let's do ourselves a favor, and let's jump into the middle. You see all this that we're scrolling by? Good, good, good. Scrolling, scrolling. Now let's go into the last third. Okay, look at what this was buried under. And now listen to what I'm about to read to you. What I highlighted: the rule, section two point one three, outlined isolation and quarantine procedures to control highly transmissible diseases. It was the first adopted as part of the New York's codes, rules, and regulations on March 9, 2020, in response to COVID-19. Uh, the rule said that the state commissioner of health may issue or quarantine orders. Uh, may issue isolation or quarantine orders or may direct the local health authority to do so. Among its guidelines, it stated that in addition to an individual's home, isolation or quarantine may take place in temporary housing, 
as deemed. So in other words, camps. <laughs> but but well, listen. So so this is all. So these. So these. Are, I mean, is, do they think we're dumb or something? It's the best. No, Megan, the next line is the best line. So they say that it states that in addition to an individual's home, isolation or quarantine may take place in temporary housing as deemed appropriate by health authorities that are not elected. Here's the next line. Ready? This is from AP. But nothing in the rule mentions camps. Or, <laughs> yeah, it's not. I, yeah, just temporary housing, folks. It's not a camp. It's not, it's not a camp. <laughs> Rest your heart. Be easy, yeah. my friends. This is you not a camp. You have to laugh. You have to laugh. Don't worry about it, plebes. <laughs> the governor will never use this power we gave her for evil. Don't concern yourselves. You know, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure, Megan, that it was maybe just two weeks ago that we got news from that dummy in New York City, Eric Adams. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that about two or th three weeks ago at Tops, the headline had gotten out that they were talking about setting up temporary housing in like Central Park for the migrants. You know what the housing was? Right. Tents. Tents. <laughs> Sounds a lot like a camp That's to me. Like a camp. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a lot like a camp. It's like camping, Frank. I don't oh. know. But not the good kind of camping with like, you know, fires and marshmallows. It's like the bad kind of camping with sexual assault. Yes, V for Vendetta. <laughs> and, and and poop on the sidewalk. I'll tell you, like you said, if you don't laugh, if you don't laugh, what the hell do we have? What are we going to do? I know. I it, During the Kowalski case, it was some of the streamers were encouraging their chats to be kind and give everyone grace and not not be not come up with nasty nicknames for people. And I was like, uh, chat, go for it, because ridicule is the only weapon we have. It's the only thing we can do before we pick up the, the shotguns and the pitchforks and the torches. So if you want peaceful society, if you want to be at peace, we have to let off the steam somewhere, and the place we're going to let it off is ridicule away. So we came up with uh, the seventh floor coven, which is uh, the nurses that were taking care of her, and you know they're all part of uh, this nasty, you know, satanic coven that in enjoys the pain of little children. I mean, that's how they seemed. Yeah. And I, I really do think if you can't ridicule what's going on, you can't laugh at it. We're in serious trouble, Frank. I know. I know. Uh, so I guess um, I guess my real question to you is, aside from letting everybody know, and your all of your information is in the, des the description of this episode, but um, what do you do next? Where where are you? What what is your everyday um, focused on? What are you doing day to day when you wake up in the morning? What's on the agenda aside from your your broadcast schedules and all that stuff? Um, that's that's what I want to know. What what are you focused on right now? It's especially since you got a little bit more wind in your sails after the Kowalski case. Well, I have three children who are in a lot of sports and things, and so that they're my main focus. Uh, and keep it trying to keep my house clean. But beyond that, <laughs> I I have been. Uh, I'm obviously still going to keep up on the Kowalski case and the what's going on there. I am looking into baby Cyrus and what's happening with Ammon Bundy going on there. That's another medical kidnapping Oh, what case. happened I, there? I, I get, all I got out of that whole thing was that Ammon Bundy has disappeared. That's medical? He, he had to flee the state because he stood up for this family. St. Luke's took a baby. 
He claimed that it was wrongful kidnapping. He called them child traffickers and kidnappers. And then St. Luke's actually sued him in civil court, which he did not show up for. Now, I don't know why he didn't show up, but a judgment was given against him in more than $50 million and they have taken his house. Now, the weird part about this story, Frank, is that they gave the baby back within a week. So they made, and you should read that article I sent you because it's an exercise in gaslighting. It's hilarious. You will read it and laugh because the hospital is complaining, oh, there were these terrible protesters and they were going to break into the hospital. There's no evidence of any of that. There's like a small group of protesters outside holding signs, calling them names, but that's our first amendment, right? You can call people names. You can call them kidnappers. You can say that they're bad people. Mm -hmm. That's not defamation. They overreacted so badly to the public outcry from taking this baby who was, they said was malnourished. Um, and instead of helping the parents, again, we get back to this, instead of helping the parents to be like, okay, here's what we need to do to get your son, you know, gaining weight. Like you come to the hospital, we're gonna admit him to the hospital. You can stay here with us. They take the baby from her and arrest her and, and put her in jail. It, while she's just begging them, please let me go with you. You know, wh what harm is there in letting the mother come to the hospital? You don't think she's doing it, do you? And if she is, you're supervising her now. So what's the what's the, what's thing? the problem? They overreacted so badly. And then if there really was abuse, if it really was the parents, why give the baby back to them in a week? And and meanwhile, then they go and they sue Ammon Bundy for for ginning up public outrage against the hospital. But did the hospital err? It sure seems like it. It looks like, and now they own his house and he's homeless, Frank. And you know who Ammon Bundy is, right? Yes. You know yes. about the Bundy Ranch? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So this is not the first, and he, he believes that they did this to him because he's been a gubernatorial candidate and they don't want him getting anywhere near the governor's seat there. Well, when you got, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, if he's, if he's declared, if he's a declared candidate, that's one thing. I mean, just uh, being the opposition for any established order in general will put you on the shit list anywhere. But, I mean, the the Bundys, they have a, a reputation now, too. I'm sure somebody would want their head on a wall. Um, yeah. Yeah, plenty. Well, uh, uh, Megan Fox, I this has been a wonderful first session with you, and I cannot wait to do it again one day. You have been... Just a, a real treat to hang out with. Uh, you want to pl plug anything? I know that you've got books out. Plug everything. And sure. then, yeah. Well, please. I've written this book called Believe Evidence The Death of Due Process from Salome to hashtag Me Too. This is about uh, false allegations that women have brought against men throughout literature, history, and the modern age. Oh, we got to uh, talk. Which, we, that's the next thing that you're coming on to talk about. That. Okay, sure. Well, women do lie. And this hashtag believe women thing is just insane. And so I basically went through literature, history, modern era to, to find examples of when women lied to either put men in prison or have them killed. And just to talk about why we should never, never believe someone on the basis of their genitals. It makes no sense. Uh, and then the other one that I wrote with my friend Kevin Dujan is called Shut Up, the Bizarre War That One Public Library Waged Against the First Amendment. And this is about the three-year fight that I had with a library in Chicago that insisted on letting men watch porn and do the things that come with that in front of children at a library. It went on for three years, these people did this. What? And 
we, it ended up being, this is a really good how to use uh, Freedom of Information Act to go up against a government institution because libraries are part of the government. Uh, we sue, ended up suing them, they sued us. It was a whole thing. Uh, but spoiler alert, I win. And this is a great book. You should pick it up. It's on Kindle and on Amazon. Both of them are on Amazon and Kindle. Are both those links uh, on your link tree? Because I put your link tree. Yes. Okay. They are. All right, everybody. They the, are. The, the link that I have in the description of this episode gives you all the entirety of Megan's online presence is there, including how to get to her books. And um, we definitely have to talk. Was that John the Baptist on the uh, on the front page? Yes, that was okay. Salome and John the Baptist. Uh, by the way, also, I'm on Locals, MeganFox.Locals.com. It's my favorite social media, and my, my crew there is so much fun. They're the greatest memers. We have so much fun on Locals. We're doing, we do fun streams there, too. We watch movies together. We do cooking streams. We have a ton of fun. So. Wow. Hey, you if know, you're, if, if you're into that, come over. If you ever do a, uh, you know, I always want to. I still have some plans where I would like to do a cooking show uh, on on this network too. But if you ever do cooking episodes and whatever, cooking with with Megan or what, you let me yeah. know. I'd love to just throw it into rotation sometime. Oh, I do. I would love to do that. It'd be so fun. You should come do one with me. Oh. I have a chef. I have a chef who uh, comes and teaches me things. Like we deboned a chicken. And and that was fun. I had never done that before. Cooked? And you 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 cook it first. Or you take the bone. Uh, no, you take the bones out before you cook it. Wow. So you can chop it all. Like break break down a chicken. You know, like totally break it down. I'd never done it. I mean, I'd seen Julia Child do it, but I never did it myself. You see, the first it, thing I would do if I fun. say, "Oh, Frank, you got to get the bones out of this chicken." The first thing I think is, "Okay, well, I got to cook it first. <laughs> then they'll just slide right out." <laughs> anyway. Well, you've been, a, you've been a wonderful treat, and I can't wait to have you back, Megan. Thank you so much for everything. Thanks, Frank. Take care. All right. There you go, everybody. Go and check her out. She is uh, not only a accomplished author, but uh, she is on Twitter, and she spends a lot. She, she's pretty active on Twitter, too, so go and do that. We will be right back. I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, a, a little bit of news from what used to be the Ukrainian war. You remember that? We'll do that, and then we're going to just take your calls. It's 831. It's been a great night. I knew it was going to be good. I didn't know it was going to be th that incredible. And uh, again, again, it's it's incredible. It's heart-wrenching. Man, man, the, the stuff that's going on all around us. All around us. I'm glad we did that dive tonight. Okay, be right back. Lulu had a baby, she named him Tiny Tim. She put him in the piss butt to teach him how to swim. He swam to the bottom, he swam to the top. Lulu got excited and pulled him by his cocktail ginger ale, five cents a glass. If you don't like it, just shove it up your ass. Ask me no more questions, I'll tell you no more lies. A man got hit with a bag of shit, and that's the reason why. <laughs> <laughs> Conspiracy. Frankie! Who's that nifty new dreamboat that has the dollies flipping their lid? Somebody. It's Frankie! That's right. Join your made in the shade host of Quite Frankly. Quite Frankly streams live Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 Eastern, and everywhere you find your favorite podcast. Goose it on over. For everything else, it's Quite Frankly.tv.
people waiting. <laughs> Hello? Uh, you want to uh, put that on this phone, please? Hello? Welcome to your Perpetual Health Minute, brought to you by Quite Frankly. Grass-fed versus grain-finished beef and the omega-6 to 3 ratio. It's a highly debated topic. So on your screen, you'll see a chart from a Michigan State paper that looked at grass-fed versus grain-finished beef and the fatty acid profile. Now, they found a lot of things. One of the things they found was that, indeed, grass-fed beef has a more favorable omega-6 to 3 ratio. But here's the caveat. The absolute values of the omegas are very low, meaning that they will likely do little to influence your internal cellular environment. As an example, almonds have nearly 40 times the amount of omega-6 compared to the highest end of conventional beef. So if you're looking to improve your omega-6 to 3 ratio, being mindful of things like seed oil consumption, nuts and seeds, and nut butters is probably a much better strategy. And full disclosure, I choose grass-fed beef whenever possible. However, the omega-6 to 3 ratio is not one of the main reasons why. If you like this video, please follow the new Perpetual Health Rumble channel. You can also find us at perpetualhealth.substack.com. But for now, thank you so much for watching. Back to the show. Mm -hmm. All righty. So, how's everybody doing? I got some. Uh, I got some super chat. Let me also just say, Tony Black is fine. Uh, I, I played his his little song there tonight, Tony Black rhymes. But um, I forgot to update you all. Uh, he's fine. He recovered from his cold, and uh, you know he he like fell. He bumped his hip or something, and everything's fine. He and my mother have already gone out and uh, and hung out at the beach one day, and I think everything is tip-top. So I want to have him in, because he says if God wants, well, God didn't want it the first time. Maybe it was just the date. Maybe God was just like, no, not on Black Friday. Come on, that's the, the, the bit is getting old, Tony. I don't think it's getting old. His name's Tony Black. Tony Black Friday. How do you, how do you not take advantage of that? So it must have been something else that God intended. All right, let's go to the uh, super chats. Oh, <laughs> we we got another we got another super chat from Gay Juanella Juanella. So this is remember this is this is a bizarro world. Jay Gulanello. Okay, so here's uh, this is what uh, Gay Juanella says. Let's see here. I treat all my patients with type 2 diabetes with seed oil enemas. You got to feed those colon parasites, and what better than hot shot a processed liquid Big Willie style? That's your vegan pepperoni health migot. <laughs> they fixed it. They fixed the end. The vegan pepperoni health minute. Yes. Because <laughs> I remember the first one of those. I said, eh, I don't know. I got to give that a 7 out of 10 because you did not stick the landing. Pepperoni would not be the worst thing in the world to eat around Jay. So, of course, they went to the vegan pepperoni route. And now I think they've fine-tuned this. 
All right, Jay Britz says, Frank, thank you for bringing this information to us. As far as a response, I feel it would be wiser to hold my tongue. I know. No, I know. I know exactly what many of you are feeling. Uh, from the sadness to the uh, the outrage, the, the, the violent, the just to holding back the violence. What did I do to myself? Oh, there I go. Sorry. <clears throat> but that was that was horrendous. And she could have gone on all night with CPS horror stories. That's what she does. She could have gone on all night, but I think we got enough. I think we got enough. And now we know who we can go to in the future for related topics or for trial breakdowns and everything else. That's that's great. Terrific. All right, over on to, let's see here. I'll make sure that we didn't have any rumble rants that I missed. And then we'll open up the lines after I get a little bit of this other stuff out of the way. Here we go. Good. That's all taken care of. Now on to gold pills. Let's get you guys and gals all taken care of on quitefrankly.tv on Foxhole. Empress bitch to you says here, here's a cookie. Oh, that's fantastic. So nice of you to give a cookie tonight. I love it. Hold on. Okay. Witchy poo. Thank you. NJSF. Jay, thank you. Musicman75 says, Happy birthday to your cousin Ashley. Aha. Uh -huh. Ashley Supa? Ashley is about to go uh, on a tour opening up for Disturbed. I got in touch with my, my uh, cousin Mike the other night, and I said, Hey, man, you should come by the studio Christmas party if you're in town or whatever. And I would also love you know Ashley to come by here I'd love to meet my cousin number one number two maybe we can jam who knows I'll get in touch with my cousin after this and pass it along thank you music man Joe M thank you Sean Joe thank you porpoiseful thank you cap 78 pack thank you or Pac all right, Curious Patriot says, Mucho love for you and the family, Frankie. Thank you, Curious. Thank you for all the cookies as well. NJSF says, a great guest, supremely important topic, strong start of the week, indeed. Indeed. Giving that one a red pill. I'm going to red pill these all the way down. Brew Bark says, thank you, Frank, for shining light on this topic. Paulie9363 drops a whole sleeve of cookies. Dawn S says, concerning the ill children, maybe the cost of kidneys just went down. Let's see. Jay Sims says, excellent start to the week. Thank you. Major Adams, I assume doctors have taken advantage of having their, their student loans forgiven at cost to the patients. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They've made, they, they, this is their own, this is a racket. This is a racket. And here's another thing. It's always one of those silver linings to see how there is an increased interest in homeschooling, uh, an increased interest in in, for people investing now there are people like me who I feel this in my bones uh, from a entertainment standpoint I'm into talk radio mass communication of course current events history and kind of uh, trying to contribute a little bit to the deciphering of what's going on around us in the world as it tra is transformed radically before our eyes that has all become a big part of it but you know how I how my love for just radio and this medium goes a little bit deeper than that. But still, 
there's people like me who go out there and broadcast and research and present to a, a public. And then there are the many, many wonderful people in this audience who understand that it's not just a matter of, oh, I like new media. All I get all my entertainment, my news, my conversation, my this and that, my storytelling from new media. You, many of you understand that it goes beyond that, that you must make investments into new media, investments into decentralizing the media so that people like Megan, people like me, people like all, so many of our other friends who are doing this professionally are able to not only continue to do it, but to, to continue to up their game, their production value, to bring on new people to help support them in staff, to grow the operation. Uh, this is an, an incredible thing that we are always on the road to. We're always on the road. It, there's no end to it. We're creating a parallel to the laughable associated presses of the world who go out there and tell you that, uh, you know, internment camps aren't actually camps because well, they're not intense or, you know, they're in uh, alternate housing, you know? So thank you again to all of the super chatters, to people who send, you know, wonderful gifts to the show, who are, who are monthly subscribers. That, that's really what this is all about, the investments we're all making with either time energy talent money viewership sharing it's uh it's like that so outside of that whole um outside of that uh is really just the the doctors you know we have our alternative for the media we have our our alternatives for education there's a lot of things popping up but the one thing that is the most uh you know i would say it's it's most necessary in a time of need is doctors we can say what we want about what has happened to the system and what really what kind of politics and what kind of protocols drive many of the major hospital networks out there but that does not mean that that doctors and nurses are not very very necessary for a stable society especially for societies as large as ours very necessary. So the fact that we have seen doctors and nurses go and, and make their investments in things like Peter McCullough's wellness company, uh, Jay Gulinello. People like Jay Gulinello coming at it from a, a holistic nutritional standpoint, but he also knows plenty of doctors and, uh, and, and programs and systems that are coming together. Telemedicine. There's so many things that are happening. It's just the, the, the groundwork for what is going to be, hopefully, more of a direct care kind of system where people don't even need to think about health insurance anymore. Uh, I mean, there's catastrophic stuff. You have to go to an emergency room. That'll, I mean, that, that'll take, that'll drain all of your life savings out of you for sure. But when you're talking about just seeing a doctor, getting a prescription, being with a nutritionist, whatever, um, I think that there's a going, if, if we're smart, there's going to be a lot more of a drifting toward direct care and um, and that'll be that'll be a lot off our 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 brow especially when it comes to child protective services when it comes to disagreements with doctors there's not going to be some kind of a you know uh, the, uh, declaring somebody belligerent that element's going to be taken out of it almost completely and you're just dealing with people on a one-to-one -one basis it becomes human again so keep investing in the parallel system. That's why I, that's what I'm saying. 
let's see. Amethyst Cat, thank you. Paulie9363 and Witchy Poo. Miss Halston, thank you. Cat uh, Pock, thank you again. Halston says, thank you for the work that you do. No podcast compares to yours. Praying for these children and their families. Thank you for the compliment. And yes, keep praying. And whenever you see an opportunity to do something, do, I guess, whatever it is, just be open for it. Another great guest. Thanks, Frank, says Curious Patriot, and then more cookies. Our Four Cents says, thanks, Frank. Love Tony Black Friday. Amethyst Cant says, this is for Esther G13. Oh, Esther. Esther is very, very nice. I remember her from the Rumble Rants. Ginger45 and Witchy Poo. Thank you. Thank you all. All right, um, so real quick, so I don't have to change the title of the show. Here's a few things I'm just going to throw out there for you. Really incredible. The Guardian, this is all December 4th. The Guardian, White House warns it is out of money and nearly out of time to aid Ukraine. Out of money and out of time to aid Ukraine. You hear that? You remember just about a month or so ago, the Pentagon was saying that they had enough weapons to float both Ukraine and Israel. Now they're out of money, out of time. Government has already gone through $111 billion in military aid for Ukraine. $111 billion? I think that's a little bit low. And urges Congress to approve additional funding, but they're running out of time. Here's another one for you from the Hill. You'll see a pattern forming. Headline, NATO chief on Ukraine war. Be prepared for bad news. John Stoltenberg warned there could be bad news coming out of Ukraine as fears grow of a stalemate with Russia and allies, such as U.S. debate, whether to send more aid to the country. The, the stalemate is Russia not wanting to kill civilians. Or else there would have been no Ukraine. But the whole point there is to have a neutral state that stands in between Russia and NATO, which is the new Soviet Union. So it's not, it's not even really even about taking all of Ukraine. It's about wanting somebody there that's going to be a neutral buffer between one part of the world and the other. Anyway, I bring that up. Those are headlines from today. Because on December 2nd, this started getting around on Twitter and it was, um, it was retweeted by our friend Aristophanes. Here's the headline. Well, it's not a headline. It's, it was a telegram. It was a quote here. Our source from the, from the OP said that the Biden administration is putting pressure on the office of the president to freeze the war in February 2024 for the duration of the election campaign. In fact, we are being given an ultimatum to begin the negotiation process in the spring of next year, and no one is talking about Zelensky's peace formula as a basis, but we are being given the condition to agree to stop hostilities along the front line. So ask yourself, are they ready to you uh, uh, to abandon Ukraine? You'd have to imagine no. Ukraine has become very important to the deep state, to the shadow government. And even if they say, okay, fine, take the eastern provinces, again, like I said before, is Ukraine really going to be neutral? Are the Marco Rubios and the Victoria Newlands and the CIA and the Mossad going to be out? That's another thing. 
And then it's also a matter of how much farther they're going to use war as a transformative tool for the rest of, to, to collapse the economy completely and to maybe create some other kind of incidents uh, that, that, that needs immediately, uh, immediate response. Who the hell knows? Right now, this could either be a cashing out and maybe because, you know, you're going to hide behind the entire year of 2024 if they want to calm things down and make it seem like Joe Biden brought peace to the world during an election year. Look at how calm things are. Oh, yes, he was, was, was tough negotiating out there. Tough negotiating out there. We killed many hundreds of thousands of people, wasted hundreds of billions of dollars. But, you know, thank you, Joe Biden. So what is it? Is it just a pause? Is it going to be reignited? What do you think about that? Anyway, Aristophanes, he attached this. It was a, little, a short little excerpt from a thread he did almost a year ago to the day. From December 23rd, this is what Aristophanes said. He said, when these actors have fed from the trough to a point that they feel it is adequate, they will most likely settle with Russia for annexation of LPR and DPR to end the war. Ukraine will be angry. They will probably try to continue the war and find themselves cut off. This is always how the current thingism ends. Both times when BLM was in vogue, eventually it wasn't. And any activists who wanted to keep going at the same tempo were frozen out and denied all support. With the support they depended on gone, these actors always crumble. Every temporary pet cause of the liberal Borg always gets left out in the cold in this way eventually. When diminishing returns sets in and the powers that be have gorged themselves, they will retract their tendrils and toss the withered husk away. And that's exactly what's going on here. And you think about how many hundreds of thousands of flesh and bone individuals died. Men, boys, old men, again, wiping clean an entire or a major part of an entire generation. Gone. For what? For what? You know, and for the flag-waving morons, I wish I could talk to all of them at once. The flag-waving morons, the, 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 the soccer moms in the yoga pants over in Rye, New York, who followed along, followed along, put their, their, uh, their blue and yellow flags up everywhere until the sun bleached them of their color. Mistakes were made. We tried our best. I bet you any money, yet again, Yet again, those fallbacks will just do fine for them. Mistakes were made. Well, we tried our best. My God, do you remember the stories of people dumping their Russian vodka down the sewer? I remember the stories of that. Business owners, liquor store owners, destroying thousands of dollars of perfectly good product, all for a LARP, these morons. These are our neighbors. These are our neighbors. Just incredible. But as far as that 2024 goes, this, is, this also came over the weekend with Douglas McGregor. Colonel Douglas McGregor, a man I really hope I get to speak with one day, he says again, I do not think we will get to the 2024 election. Things are going to implode in Washington before then. Our economic financial condition is fragile. It's going to come home to roost in ugly ways. Well, I have not been far from that conclusion for a long time. And when someone like him says it, well... It's good company, but we'll see. We'll see. That and much more. Okay, I'm uh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to just end this right here. I know I was going to say I, I knew I was going to take some calls, but I only got eight minutes left. 
and maybe we can just take some more calls tomorrow. It's Tuesday. I don't have a guest on because it's a shorter show because a band practiced. So um, maybe we will just take, I'll just open up the lines and we will, we'll see what you guys are thinking and saying. How's that sound? All right. Well, um, one more quick thing as I get off, get off of here. Where the hell is it? No, I guess that's it. That's all I have for you tonight. Thank you all so much. Um, I would really, really appreciate it if some of you were would consider becoming a sponsor of the show. That's why I'll say to plug myself at the end of the night. Or you can go buy yourself some coffee or go and uh, hang out on the affiliates page. There's merch now. There's a whole bunch of stuff. Support the show so we can keep doing this in bigger and better ways. And I uh, thank Megan Fox again for all the time that she spent with us tonight. So, ladies and gents, with that being said, tomorrow at 7 o'clock, I will see you here for the Tuesday engagement. I leave you in the loving arms of Monday night. That's what we have. All right. Talk to you soon. Good night. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, this film before a live studio audience. And now, our super chatter, starting with Gay Julianella and Jay Brits. Thank you to all of our friends on Pilled with those wonderful gold pills. Thank you to Megan Fox again for being a very amazing guest. And tomorrow, we come back to entertain you all again. All right, that's it. Have a good one. Stick around. <laughs>